In the following live session recording, Alan Rotten, Adult Ministry Specialist with Lifeway Christian Resources, leads a session entitled, How to Get Guests to Return. The way we treat our guests on Sunday morning determines whether or not they'll return and possibly become the next new members. This session provides proven practical methods for creating an atmosphere for our guests where they want to return. Let's join Alan now. It's interesting that it was not until 1996 that I got to pick a church to attend. Up until 1996, my church was chosen otherwise for me. I grew up not too far from here, down in the small southwestern town of Albany. I was a cradle roll baby at Sherwood Baptist Church, which meant that I was enrolled in Sunday school before I was born. After, um, after graduating high school, went to college, first at Shorter College and then at Mercer University, because God had called me to the ministry. I thought I needed to go to a Baptist school. So I go to two different Georgia Baptist colleges and served as a part-time youth minister there. Went to seminary in New Orleans, served a church there, and then served as a minister of education in Mississippi, Virginia, and Florida before going to Lifeway. And so it wasn't until I moved to Lifeway that I actually, for the first time in my life, got to choose a church. So my wife and I, for the first time in our life, start visiting different churches around Nashville which the churches around Nashville are not unlike most places in Georgia. There's a Baptist church everywhere. They have different flavors. By different flavors, what I mean is, there's, there's two different ones there, by the way. Get one of each. Is, they're not all alike. They're not, you know, they have different music styles. They have different... The pastors are different. The churches have different personalities. One is not better than the other. They're just different personalities. And so, as we would visit different churches, we discovered how difficult it is to determine a church home. We had children at the time, and we still have children, just they were small. <laughs> They're grown now. And so, some of what I experienced was different than when I was on staff. And what I discovered is sometimes we don't see the forest for the trees. And so some of what I want to cover in this helps us get down in the weeds and start thinking like a guest thinks. Now church practice has changed. It used to be that a family would move to your town. They would visit your church. They'd visit maybe... Bigger, better Baptist church. They, you know, visit this other church. But within about a month, they had decided what church they were going to join, and then they walked down the aisle and they joined your church. Nowadays, that process takes 18 months or longer. The second thing we're discovering is every church that you ever ask, do you have a friendly church? Most people answer yes. We have a great church. We have a friendly church. But when you ask guests to that same church... 116? No, 13. 16, I think, is across the hall. 
I think. Or maybe it's down at the end of the hall. It's somewhere else. But it's close. They don't have to wander down. You know, if we could have two more breakout sessions, I would learn my way around this church. I don't think so. What? Yes. Yes. Sorry. Right here. Right here, stuff. We're interrupting everyone. Sorry. This is what happens when boosters come in late. In fact, they're fixing to become an illustration. But this is a good illustration. You're going to teach them something. All right, good. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. We're a friendly client. <laughs> Y'all all go around and introduce yourself to them. No. Um, but when you talk to a guest and say, you just visited that church, was that a friendly church? Their answer is no. So what's the difference? Why, why do you get two different responses? What we've learned through research is that we think we have a friendly church because we're friendly with one another. Yeah. And because we're friendly with one another, we we associate that we are a friendly church. Just if you want to be, I think there's two there, but whatever. You can have all you want. And so what happens is we come into church, we're hugging each other, we're backslapping, you know, we're we're talking to everybody. And two rows up and over here is a guest first-time visitors who are sitting in the pew and nobody talks to them. And so we think we have a friendly church because we're friendly with one another. And so here's another thing we're going to learn because we're going to go through what I'm about to tell you is not Alan's opinion. This is research based out of likely research. But things that you can take and know that this is scientifically proven through research on how guests look at a church. Now I have down here as a tagline how to get people heart deep in your church. I will say a phrase, in fact I'm about to tell you a phrase, but the following phrase that I'm about to tell you, my pastor at Hermitage Hills Baptist Church located on a hill in Hermitage, Tennessee, east of Nashville, has asked me not to ever say this phrase again. That phrase is this. I don't care if anybody ever joins Hermitage Hills Baptist Church ever again. Do I have your attention? I don't care if anybody joins the church ever again. What I'm looking for is for people to get heart deep in Hermitage Hills Baptist Church. There is a great difference. What happens? Do y'all have an altar call where you're looking for people to come walk down the aisle of the church and take the pastor's hand and say, we'd like to unite with your church. We're going to transfer by letter from Bigger Better Baptist Church to your church. What we are saying when we say that, when we say we feel God is letting us to, our, to your church or to this church, what we're saying is that you can count on us, pastor, to be faithful in attendance to tie the minimum of 10% tithe and then give other additional offerings to the building fund and other things in addition to that. 
You can count on us to support you in the direction that this church is going. You can count on us to serve, to take the spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit embed within us at the moment of our conversion and to use that to edify and to build up this church. You can count on us to serve. You can count on us once a month to be in extended teaching care. You can count on us to invest our hearts and our talents and our gifts in this church to help this church accomplish the purpose for why God has this church located in this specific spot. That's what you're saying when you walk down the aisle and take the hand of a pastor or just walk down the aisle and have a counselor give you a card to fill out. But what happens is we have too many people that join the church and then you never see them again. Do you know, there are people, you're going to be shocked at this. You're going to be shocked at this. There are members of my Sunday school class who self-select never to attend. Did that did that freak you out? Hey, we've never seen that. You never seen that? Mm. Eddie, do you have any members at your church <laughs> who self-select never to come? Large numbers. Large in numbers, that's right. And yet at some point they made that commitment to your church. Folks, we have a category of people on our annual church profile of like non-resident members. There are other people we don't even, we can't even find. We have those on our role. We're actually trying to, went through like a two-year process of trying to track down because on paper we had like 3,500 members, but we're running like 1,200. That's a pretty big gap. That's a pretty big gap. Yeah. But what we found out is there are people we can't, we don't know who they are, where they are, where they've been. They don't live here. We have no phone number. We have no email. We have nothing. But here they are. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Because we have people who join the church but don't get heart deep. Let's talk about how do we assimilate people because the first question is when does assimilation begin? Before you can get them heart deep in the church, you've got to assimilate them. And so let's look at some things that guests wish that you knew. Twelve things that guests wish that you knew. You got a handout. Y'all found it? On your mark. Get set. You need to understand, and they wish that you understood that they are anxious. So they come in, they don't know where they're going, they don't know what's going to happen. I mean, when people in the Northwest, I was recently in Seattle, Washington. People actually asked me, now you're in a church in Tennessee? Yes, ma'am, I am. Does your church handle snakes? <laughs> oh, wow. Legitimate question. No, ma'am. As a matter of fact, if I see somebody come walking in with a croaker sack, I usually move to the exit. No, ma'am, we don't handle snakes. You have to go further east in Tennessee to find a church that handles snakes. I've also sampled the Kool-Aid to make sure they haven't added anything to it. So that's the next question. But they're anxious because they don't know what's going on. Every church is different with stuff. Church, by the way, the thing that we do, my church still does it. I call it the shaking how to do time. 
You know what I'm talking about? What am I talking about? What's the shaking how to do the time? Tell them what I'm talking about. Meet and greet time. Meet and greet. There you go. We're going to play with them and y'all act like you love each other. That's right. Even if you don't. Do y'all's church do that? Oh, yeah. Your church doesn't do it? Well, praise God. When you talk to guests, they hate that. They hate that. And come flu season, they really hate that. Oh, yeah. Now, wait a minute. You just said go shake the hands, and I just watched somebody sneeze twice into their hands, two rows up, and now they're coming for me. Yeah. They're anxious. So one thing that we can do, that you can have people in the parking lots, if you have parking lot people that kind of help and help direct or whatever, they need to watch people. They may be further down, so they may not be like right in front of them. But if they start looking at the building like, what door do we go in? That's a big clue. Where do we go? So sometimes guests give off a vibe that we're so anxious just getting out of our car and walking in the building, we don't stop and look around. Who's like, who's like walking around like that? And kind of thing. So they're anxious. Number one, they evaluate everything. They evaluate everything. Oh, it's your church, so you know, and so, yeah, the bathrooms aren't quite as clean as they could be, but they're okay. There are some church bathrooms... Well, let me just say this way. I've been in Shell gas stations that had cleaner bathrooms. Because it's our church, we don't worry about that. That's okay. Guests evaluate. They evaluate the safety and security system. They evaluate an adult Sunday school class. They evaluate the worship. Um, you know, if, if everybody has been ignoring them as they've been sitting there 15 minutes before the service starts and then all of a sudden during the, what did you call it? Meeting. The meet and greet time. Now all of a sudden everybody wants to come hug their neck, shake their hand. They see that as contrived friendliness. They basically see it as fake. And that does not impress them. This is not my opinion. This is what guests have told us they go through they evaluate everything they feel like outsiders sometimes we use language that continues that when we use our acronyms you know there's going to um, mops is going to be meeting in the treehouse Tuesday at 9 what is mops and what is the, where's the, what is the treehouse? We know on the church that's a particular building or a particular room. Mops we know is our mother's a preschool ministry. Guests don't know that. So we throw out all these acronyms. And so those are things that perpetuate to make them feel like outsiders. But they're hopeful. The very fact that they're in your church says that they want this to be a good experience. So they're not here looking for you to mess up. They're looking and hoping this is the church we've been wanting to join. So that's the good news. Is they're hopeful. 
now they don't want to be identified. They don't want to be identified. And so... A lot of, most churches have gotten away from this. You know, all the members, everybody stand up now. If you're a guest, you can be seated. And, you know, most churches have gotten away from that because they don't want to be identified. As a matter of fact, here's what we found. Do y'all have a, a lot of times they're in the, the pew rack will be like a, a card for them to fill out. Or in our bulletin, there's like a tear off. A lot of churches do that. And every week, somebody is saying, if you're visiting with us today or if you're our guest today, we're so glad that you're with us. You'll see in the P-Rack or you'll see in your bulletin. There's a place, if you'll just simply fill that out and tear that off and drop that in the offering plate, we'll be glad to contact you at whatever level that you would like for us to contact you. Or we'll send you some information about our church. They never fill them out. They never turn them in. So, we had a had a thing not too long ago, of um, we call it group link, where where you have people that attend worship but never have gotten involved in a Sunday school class. And so, on a Sunday morning, like during the Sunday school hour, there are tables. It's sort of like a trade fair, if you will, where. Every Sunday school class, every adult class, has a table and a sign and stuff. And these people who have been attending worship can come and just talk to people from the class to find out about the classes. My particular class of empty nesters had two different couples that signed up that they would like, you know, to be a part of our class. But all the form asked for was their name. So that's all they gave. They gave their first and last name. Fine. So I'm given this sheet. I've got two different couples' names. So I call the church office. I said, hey, had a couple of couples that are interested in my Sunday school class. Can you give me their email and, and phone number, cell phone number, so I can call them and follow up with them? Church secretary here and click, 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 click. We don't have them in the system. Well, this is frustrating. Because now somebody has expressed interest in my Sunday school class, but because the form didn't say give us your email or phone, all it said was give us your name. They have been coming, but have not filled out anything. And we're seeing that more and more and more, not just in our church, but in churches all across America. That you, you ask them to do this, but they don't ever fill it out. They'll wait till they pretty much join, and then they'll fill it out. They are heavily influenced by their kids' experience at church. So if their children do not have a good experience, then mama didn't have a good experience. And it's not just preschoolers. It could be children as well. And they're going to take their time to join. As I said, they um, a lot of times they'll take up to 18 months, sometimes longer, before they join. And what we're seeing is that at the time that they join, sometimes it's the first time they've ever turned in any information to the church. So they've just been coming, but they're basically anonymous. And so they're going to take their time to join. 
Their first impression of the church is hard to overcome if it's negative. So if they've had a bad experience, it's hard to overcome that. Their final impression of the church is hard to overcome if it's negative. So the bottom line is they're evaluating everything and especially if things don't, if things start off kind of bad or they end bad, that will influence whether they come back. We have to keep in mind that they have many other options. Usually, yours is not the only church in town. <clears throat> they have other options. My next door neighbor, I live in Wilson County, which is east of Nashville, which is Davidson County. And I live north of Mount Juliet. And so we're out there in the country. My next door neighbor is a Southern Baptist church. When we first moved out there 19 years ago, I thought, this is great. I've never been able to like walk to church. Now it's a little stretch. I'd have to kind of cut a trail through some woods there, but we can make a way to where we could walk to church. So the first Sunday after moving out there in Wilson County, we're back off the road, so we had to go down our, our drive, come out on the street, and then turn back in. So we park in this. This church is a small rural church. So we park. At the time, we had a uh, son and daughter were like one was a freshman, one was a senior in high school, my wife and I. And so we park, we start walking up to the building. There are two men that are standing by the front door to the church. Mm -hmm. Here is what they looked like. They're talking to one another like this, they're looking at us. So as I'm walking up, I'm thinking, well, things aren't looking good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get closer, and they keep looking at us like, who are you? And what are you doing? So we got up there, and I paused. I thought, we're the guest. We'll see what happens. Nothing is what really? happens. Really? Nothing. Ooh. So finally... I thought, okay, I'm not going to let them get by with this. Hi, I'm Alan Ralton. Stick my hand out. Only then did they go to shake my hand. This is my wife, Ruth. This is my son, Ben, our daughter, Bethany. We're your new neighbors. We live right there. Nothing. Nothing. He didn't like, well, welcome to Hickory Hills Baptist Church. Oops, I just called off the young people. <laughs> Welcome to our church. Erase that. <laughs> Oops. Oops. You know, open the door of the church, nothing. They just stand there. Wow, man. I had to open the door and walk in. And then we had to there try to find out where we go for Sunday school on our own. Now those two old men were probably deacons in the church. I mean, they're probably some of the key leaders of the church. Just out of 
history is what I'm basing that on. Sometimes you got the wrong people standing at your front door. Amen, brother. So who do you have as a greeter? You need to like handpick whoever is representing your church. Bottom line is they were telling me in multiple languages, you aren't one of us, you don't belong here, go back and get in your car and leave. My next door neighbor is a Southern Baptist church. We drive 10 miles to go to church one way. Multiple times every week. Folks, there are different options. If they don't like your church, if you don't want them, fine, they'll find somewhere else. So what you do matters. How your people, the pastor of that church, would have been mortified if he knew what those men were doing outside his church. So you've got to watch. You know, I'm reminded back when I was a minister of education in Mississippi, J.D. was our custodian, and it was about this time of year. It was about the latter part of August, and back then in Virginia Beach, Virginia, school didn't start back after Labor Day. And so it was late August, and we're about to have the big Sunday school promotion, the 1st of September, and our weekday preschool program was going to crank back up. And so the custodian had been working on all those children's hallways and in the children's classrooms, buffing the floors. We had those tile floors and stuff. Boy, he had been working and had that church looking great. So I came up behind him on Friday afternoon. The late afternoon sun is coming in and bouncing off the floor. And he's standing at the end of the hallway, arm propped up in a door frame, looking at that, yeah. that nice floor. <coughs> I came up behind him, put my hand on his shoulder, said, J.D., appreciate so much what you do to keep our church in good shape. Thank you for your, your work and ministry. And you've done a good job. You've worked real hard this week, and you've done a good job on that floor. He didn't even look at me. He's still looking down at his work. He said, yeah, Brother Allen, we'd have us a real good church here if it wasn't for all these kids. <laughs> yeah, we'd have a real good church here if it wasn't for all these kids. Sometimes people are giving the vibes. We'd have a real good church if all these new people wouldn't come in and mess it up. So they got many other options. Your church does not get bonus points for being friendly. That's the thing we have to keep in mind. They expect you to be friendly. Oftentimes they're disappointed that you're not. But if, if you are, you don't get bonus points for that. That's sort of like the standard. That's the standard. I got real good service at a clothing store in Dallas, Texas. My plane, actually a flight got delayed and or canceled and that was going to be several hours before I could come home. And so instead of sitting around in the DFW airport, I took a train, they got a little train thing that goes to the, there's a mall out there called the Galleria Mall. I went out there just to kill some time. Went in a store called Nordstrom's Department Store. Has anybody oh, ever been oh, in a yeah. Nordstrom's? I never had been in a Nordstrom's Department Store. But I'll tell you what, I got the best service out of that. And uh, I thought, golly, if they ever get one of these in Hickory Hollow Mall, 
Hickory Holler Mall. Yeah, Hickory Holler Mall down there in Nashville. I'm going to go. And they have a sign over the door. Here's what the sign reads. The only difference between stores is the way they treat their customers. Amen. Because I'm thinking the whole time this store, and this store sells. Have you ever been to a Nordstrom? They sell stuff. Y'all have a Dillard's? Mm-hmm. To me, they're other than the price of items, things are pricier in Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. They sell the same stuff like Dillard's does. I mean, you got like pennies, you got belts, you got Dillard's, you got North. They all sell basically the same stuff. Maybe different brands, but the same stuff, right? Yeah. We're on the same page? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference in JCPenney and Nordstrom's? Service. Service. Now, JCPenney, I used to work for JCPenney when I was in college at Mercer University in Macon. I worked in one in Macon Mall. So that's a good store. It was very good to me. I don't have a problem with pennies, but... When I go to the Pennies in Mount Juliet, I don't get the attention that I got in Nordstrom's in Dallas. There's a night and day difference. The same is true with churches. The only difference between churches is the way they treat their guests. So if, if you're not meeting their needs, they'll find somewhere else. So let's look at, let's do this last one, and then we're going to look at things that you and I can do tomorrow to help with that. Number one, being a guest that is an awkward experience. It's just awkward. They don't know where to go. They don't know where the bathrooms are. They don't know where to take the kids. Just on and on and on. It's just an awkward experience. So what are some things that we can do to assimilate people and get them heart deep in our church? So go to your other handout. Your next handout. Number one, name tags for everybody. Everybody needs a name tag. I prefer the hello my name is stick on name tag. It's my go-to name tag. Something like this looks great, but unless everybody's looks alike, I don't like this. Now, if you want to get some of these type things, lanyards, and you want to get some cards maybe so my three by five blank cards and cut off part of it that'll fit in here and then just have everybody write their name with a Sharpie marker and put in here. I don't mind that. Here's the only thing I'm looking for. The guest name tag needs to look like yours. Yeah. Everybody's name tag needs to look alike. So I opt for the hello my name is name tags. That and a Sharpie marker, I'm in business. Everybody wears a name tag. Now, here's the thing. Your people are going to say, because mine say it about once a month. Why, why do you make a big, fat, hairy deal about name tags? Alan, we already know everybody. You don't wear name tags for your members. You wear name tags because we use an open group strategy in our Sunday school. And by definition, an open group expects new people every week. So I expect new people in the morning. And because I expect new people in the morning... We're all going to wear name tags so that when the guests arrive, they will know who we are. That's right. My wife and I, not too long ago, went to Bigger Better Baptist Church. In this case, the guilty will remain anonymous. Amen. <laughs> so I don't get in trouble. So we go in, and I, I don't go in as a lightweight person. I just go in just to experience. And 
Which, by the way, I encourage, how many of y'all are lay people? Lay people. You lay people, you need to go back, talk to your personnel committee, and you need to tell your personnel committee they need to give every one of your staff members, that's pastor, children's minister, minister of education, whoever is like on that staff, ministers and above, a week or two a year to go visit another church with their family. Now, they don't have to travel 400 miles. They can go just the one in the town. But here's the key. They got to show up. They got to go to Sunday school. They got to get their kids. If they have kids, they got to get their kids in their Sunday school class. They have to just go in. They cannot go in under letting the other staff, hey, just want you to know we're going to be visitors in your church on Sunday. No, you got to go in like incognito. Just go in. You don't have to give a fake name, but you just show up, find where to take the kids, and just attend. Now, I've had pastors who don't want to go in and they want to call the pastor, hey, brother, I just want you to be at your church on Sunday. No, that just ruined it. Because now he's looking for you. He said, no, you want to experience the church. It's not to grade that church. It's to grade your church. So that when they experience something, like I'm about to describe an experience that we had, then you can go back and fix because the same thing's probably happening at your church. You see where I'm going with this? Because we don't see the forest for the trees. So we go to Bigger Better Baptist Church and we went by the guest center and we're filling out the paperwork and then they're going to take us to our classroom. And the class had already started. And there's a door here. Now understand my wife tends to be a little on the quiet side. And so the guest center people brought us up. It was sort of like this church. It was one, you go down a hallway, you go upstairs, you go downstairs, you go here, you go there. And, you know, we're just one, we're going where they're going. Following, and I'm thinking, I wish I'd brought Skittles. <laughs> and so we get to the class. The guest center person opens the door. My wife gets right here and is looking. Because all y'all are looking at her just like that. The teacher's over here. Now apparently the person from the guest center, the rule apparently is that the guest center person cannot go back to the main guest center desk until the people he or she is escorting have been physically entered the room. Because about this time, I'm standing back here, so I don't see what Ruth is seeing. I'm like here. But now, all of a sudden, this lady behind is pushing us in and shutting the door. <laughs> so now Ruth is looking. Everybody's looking at her. And she's standing there. And I see now what she sees. The only empty seats are right there. Right in front. None over here. The whole, all the other chairs are there. Two empty seats up there. There's actually a third one. There are actually three up there. And I finally have to take her hand and drag her over. She was... Well, at about that time, she dropped her anchor. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. I go to it. Right. Because <laughs> everybody's looking at us and sat down. She was mortified. 
But the only seats that were available were the seats that nobody in the class wanted to sit in. Those were the seats they had for the guest. Ooh. And all them people in the back row feel bad. This is not a Sunday school class. So this is first come, first serve. You want to sit in the back. But in Sunday school, you have to keep, we'll, we'll get into this in a minute, but you keep certain chairs empty so the guests can come in and slot in. But everybody wears a name tag. Because here at Bigger Better Baptist Church, there's like 28 people in the room. We're sitting right up here. The teacher meant well, but the teacher starts off going, hey, we got two visitors. When we're at the, at the guest center, they had put hello my name tags, name tags on us. Alan and Ruth, I thought. And what I've later learned, that was the sign to all the church members when we're walking down the hallway, when we go in the worship center, that was the sign, these are visitors, y'all be nice to them. I mean, the church actually had a plan. Look for people with hello, my name is name tags. Those are the visitors. By the way, it didn't work. <laughs> and so, but the staff meant well. So we're sitting up there. We got on name tags. And the teacher says, hey class, let's introduce ourselves to Alan and Ruth. And they started here, started calling off their names. 28 people wow. calling off their names. Now, now follow me. Ruth and I were to remember 28 names. <clears throat> they were to remember two names. Who had on the name tags? Now you get it. Yes, it was backwards. So, we were name tags. Part of it, as Robin knows, and some of you that have been in my conferences, I'm real big on my teaching style about breaking us up in groups of three or four. Whenever I ask a discussion question, because of group dynamics, I break them up into groups of three or four, and then here's the question that comes out of the member book. And so, when they're going to be in their group, the guests will know who the other people are. And they'll see Eddie and Robin and Robert are in their group. And so, and Cherry. You know, we'll see other people and we'll know their name. We don't wear name tags for us. We wear name tags so that when we have guests, they come. And so, you're thinking, I see it. Alan, I've got members, they won't wear a name tag. Well, then at that point, you need a Rita. I have a Rita. Rita's, name, Rita's job is to make sure everybody gets a name tag. If you do not make your name tag, then she will make one for you and come and stick it on you. Y'all like Rita? Do any of you remember the show Seinfeld? Oh, yeah. There was a character on Seinfeld. He was a minor character. But he ran a deli. Soup Nazi. There you go. What was his name? Soup Nazi. And what did the Soup Nazi say? No more soup. No, no more soup. No soup for you. Yes. Rita, for whatever name, I didn't come up with this. Somebody came up with calling Rita the name tag Nazi. Because if you don't have a name tag, she will put a name tag on you. Rita is simply doing what I asked her to do. 
Now, she does it in a sweet way, and sometimes she will put a name tag on you, and you will never know she has put a name tag on you. The name tag ninja. Yeah, there we go. We're going to change your name, name tag ninja. Because she'll come up, and, you know, you may be sitting there talking to something, and she'll just come up and go, you know, got your name tag, and she'll just put it on you. I have... Oh, thank you. A little aside, I have a lady do this rather than a man. Y'all will understand why. It's easier for a lady to do that than a man doing that on a lady. She might get slapped. I'm not stupid. But Rita does a good does a, does a good job that. That's her job. She's nice, she's friendly, she makes sure everybody has a name tag. Make sure your class knows greeting procedures. Grooming procedures. Sometimes, folks, you've got to have a come to Jesus meeting. Y'all know what a come to Jesus meeting is? Right. Every now and then, some some people refer to that as a family meeting or whatever, but we'd have to bring in, especially when our kids were teenagers, we had to have the come to Jesus meeting, which you bring them in, you sit them down, and you go, okay, folks, this is family rules. You know, Sometimes you have to review the, the have a come to Jesus meeting, review some things with the class members. One, folks, wear a name tag. You can take it off before you walk out the door. There's a trash can strategically located right by the door. All I ask is wear your name tag while you're in the room. You can rip it off and throw it away after that. Remember, we wear name tags, not for us, but when we have guests. Second of all, these chairs, if this were our classroom, these chairs would be empty. This is where the guests can come in and sit down. Now, what do you do if members of your class come in and sit here? Are you ready? I'll give you the answer. Talk with your seatbelt. You ask them to move. You ask them to move? Yes! You have not because you ask not. One thing I know about Southern Baptists, if you explain why you do what you do, they may not like it, but they'll go along with it. The reason we keep these empty is so that when the guests do what our church asks them to do, if you pull into the parking lot, there's somebody in the parking lot, if they don't recognize you, they're coming over and introducing themselves and directing you to the front door of the church where the guest center is. And they're directing you to a door. At that door, there are greeters who will then direct you to the welcome center, which is like right over there. And so there's a process. So by the time they do that, fill out the paperwork and get taken to the class, they're coming in late. So we're going to sit here. Who gets to sit here? Or here? Our host and hostess. The host and hostess, their name tag looks just like mine and yours. Nothing fancy. But the host and hostess is there. When the guests come in, the host and hostess, in fact, when they see them starting to come in the doorway, they're popping up. And they're moving toward the door to greet them even in the doorway and bringing them in. They're getting them a personal study guide. They're, they're doing whatever they need. They get them seated, you know, sitting down. They introduce themselves to them. After class, they'll introduce the guests to me, and then they'll ask them, hey, we're on our way to worship. Would you like to sit with us in worship? 
nine out of ten times the person, the couple, person or couple will say, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Thanks. That way we're, we're guiding them to the worship center. If you were here tomorrow morning, would you not want somebody to help guide you to the worship center? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay? We've just experienced what guests experience at your church. Now, I'm 99% sure the members of this Sunday school class can get to the worship center perfectly fine. Yeah. But you and I are new. We would have a difficulty. Praise God. Hasn't First Baptist Statesville done a wonderful job with these blue shirt people? Oh, yes. Volunteers? Yeah. They have like 140 people, some of which took off work yesterday yeah. to be here simply to say, go down this hallway, go here. Praise God for this church. They yeah. did a wonderful yeah. job here. But I have hosts and hostess. That's their job. That's all. They don't have to prepare ahead of time. They don't have to get there really a lot early. But they just pop into action when we have a guest. Now, here's what they do. If a member comes in and sits, I'm going to let y'all in on a secret, okay? So y'all rat me out. Anybody got relatives at Hermitage Hills Baptist Church at Hermitage? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do? Good. So they're sitting there. If a couple comes in and sits here, like Jim and Pam, I'll say they're the host house. Well, Jim will turn around and go, oh, are y'all the host and hostess today? We thought we were. I'm glad that y'all are here. We'll move so we can open up some seats for guests. And they will pop up and start collecting their stuff to leave. What I've discovered with members of my class, if they sense that somebody is about to put them in charge of something, they will move quickly. <laughs> and so they'll go, oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're not, we're not. And so they will pop up and they'll go find somewhere else to sit. Yeah, but you just have you just have to make sure they understand the greeting procedures, and then you've got to about once a month reinforce why you do what we do. We're not trying to be mean. We're not trying to say these are, you know, super duper important seats. It's just we want to make it easier for the guest. If you happen to have coffee, like this church apparently has coffee in their room, well, you would want. You know, Jim and Pam would want to get up and get the guest a cup of coffee. Don't say we have coffee for you over there. Go stand in front of the glass and fix it. Yeah, they would go fix it and say, do you want, you know, cream and sugar or just black? I got one of each. But offer them refreshments. Develop the buddy system. The buddy system is the host and hostess. That's why it's important to offer to sit with the guest and worship. That helps guide them there and then after worship to go introduce them to your pastor. Making a follow-up visit to the home. I call this the Walmart run. On your way to Walmart, go by and visit. It's important that you do the Walmart run within the first 48 hours. That seems to be, according to LifeWay Research, is, is the golden time and the first 48 hours. I just go, I don't go inside. I've had people say, well, and I, wait, wait a minute. I, we were told at our church, you, you got to have like two men and one woman, or is it two women and one? You got to have like multiple people, and you got to go by the church, and you got to do this. No. 
I go by myself because I'm not going inside. The purpose of my visit is to ask them to return. Because what I've discovered and what Lifeway Research has discovered is that if I can get people to attend three times in a row, the probability that they join and become heart deep in the church is escalated beyond anything else by simply getting them to return to a Bible study class three weeks in a row. So that is the metric that I'm shooting for, to get them to return. So my purpose of the follow-up visit is not to ascertain their salvation. It's simply to ask them to come back. Hey, y'all part of our Bible study group, I just wanted to drop in and let you know how glad we were that you were in our church on Sunday, that you were part of our class. We'd love for you to come back. You know, next week we're actually going to start a brand new study. And uh, we're going to be in Ephesians starting next week. And we'd love for y'all to be, you'll be right there on the ground floor of this study. And so, is any way y'all can come back next week? Ask. Well, actually, you know, we got, we got a new grandbaby. Our daughter and her husband live over in Arkansas. And so we're thinking over Labor Day and stuff, we're just going to be heading over to Arkansas. So we won't be there. Okay, what about the next week? Will y'all be there? Ask for a commitment. People want to be wanted. People want to be wanted, so just ask. The follow-up visit is so important, and it's so easy. So you don't go inside? No. What if they invite you in? I say, look, I know you weren't expecting me, and so I'm just out running some errands. I just wanted to come by and let you know how glad we were that you were in our church, that you were in our class, and would love to see you come back. It's literally that simple. Would you take anything to them? Not necessarily because when they came on Sunday, they were given one of these. So they already had their personal study guide. So I'll have to give them that. Um, but it's just simply making the visit. Here's another thing that's real important and yet so simple. To a guest, when you, a lay person, make the visit, it means so much more than if a staff member makes a visit. And I found that interesting. I said, all this time when I was a minister of education, I thought they would be impressed that the minister of education got to their house within a couple of days. You know what? That didn't count. Why? That's your job. That's your job. You got paid for that. A lay person, well, y'all are busy. Y'all got life. They go, well, I know what our schedule is like, and I'm sure this person's schedule is just like mine. And yet they took time out of their schedule to come by and just say thank you. They could have sent an email. They could have you know, sent a text. But instead they just dropped by the house, didn't come in, but just said, hey, just want you to know how glad we were that you came and would love to have you come back. That gets you bonus points. And yet it's so easy. Making the Walmart run. Y'all do have Walmart, don't you? Oh, yeah. There's one in Rinkin, I think. Yeah. Space matters. This is a church. The guilty will remain anonymous because I've already mentioned churches before. This is a Sunday school class. Y'all see that? 
That's four hundred. I'm just joking. The visitors welcome to so we see two recliners over here. We see padded chairs here. Here's one with like some lambskin. That's what I, I thought it was busted. No, that's like lambskin pad. Here's rocking chair row. <laughs> and then in the back corner, here and here, we find two metal folding chairs. Now, you're, the guest center brings you to this classroom. Where are you sitting? The metal <laughs> you're going to parade right here in front of everybody to get your seat back over there, right? No, I would. I'd take that one right there. Move, Grandpa. Just see what happens. No, that would be ugly, wouldn't it? Nah. Does this classroom say we are expecting guests? Is this saying we use an open group strategy and by definition an open group expects new people every week? Is this Sunday school classroom expecting new people? Hmm? Yes or no? It's like it might be expecting the nursery. <laughs> this is an, an adult classroom. So understand this is an adult classroom. So yes, you could say that looks like it might be for preschoolers, but if I tell you, no, this was an adult classroom located on an adult hallway, second floor, um, would you say yes or no, this classroom, these members are expecting new people no, tomorrow not. morning? No, they're not. No. Do they have names on their church? Probably. I, didn't, yeah, probably. I didn't see. In, in their head. You know, sometimes Southern Baptists look at you like, oh, well, you sit in my seat. That, that actually happened to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was actually looking. This this room was located next to a classroom that I was assigned to lead a conference in. I was actually going down the hallway. I was looking for a table like this to put this equipment on. Same equipment. And the room didn't have it. It had one like that. It's like, well, that's a little big. I, really, I wonder if somebody's got a smaller and so I literally just was walking around the hallway to borrow one for a conference, and then I'll take it back. And I went next door, and I opened the door, and I saw that. And I'm going, you got, to, you be got to be kidding me. Exactly is what I said. And I whipped out my phone. And took, I wish I'd done like a video to show you the rest of the room. That, uh, but I just took a quick picture, and I'm going, they're not going to believe this. And, uh, but it was just a classroom. So space matters. Oh, you want to take a picture there? Go. I got So how your room is arranged says something. So no offense to the little old ladies. My mother's in a little old lady Sunday school class. But when they have, you know, their little cushions and their little things on the chairs, I'm saying every chair needs to have a cushion. If y'all want to make Customized cushions for your chairs, I do not have a problem with that. I understand. You need one. Simply make a few extra ones to make sure every chair has one. That's all I ask. Because otherwise, what you're saying, oh, here's a guest. When my mother moved from Albany, Georgia, excuse me, Albany, there you go. Albany. to Mount Juliet, and I took her to Hermitage Hills for the first time to bring her 
into, you know, the joyful noise of whatever her Sunday school class name is, you know, the sunshine class or whatever, for them to all have their pads, but mother, you get to sit in this chair that's just a metal folding chair and does not have any pads because you're the new person. How do you think she would have felt? Not very special, not very welcome. So I'm just saying, if y'all want to have cutesy stuff, I don't. I do not have a problem with that. Just make sure every chair looks the same. That's all I ask. No offense to the big red chair in the corner. <laughs> so, what are some things we need to avoid? Forming cliques. Forming cliques. That is where. When guests come in, we basically ignore them. We're all telling them, they go, oh, hi, we're so glad you're here. And then we're all talking among ourselves. In worship center, watch for guests. Look at people sitting there that you don't know that nobody's talking to. Make an assumption that they're a guest. I do this frequently. I'll see somebody. I said, Ruth, come on, let's see who these people are. Mother, you sit here. She's 87. She has dementia. So, Mother, you sit here. We'll be right back. Hi, I don't think I know you. I don't think we've met you. I'm Alan. This is my wife, Ruth. And you know, may find out they've been attending for months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I've never met them. And so some of it is just introduced. Are you all new in town? No, we've been coming here for, for a while. Well, great. So what? Have y'all found a life group? That's what we call Sunday school. Have y'all found a life group? Yeah. Yeah, we're in Randy Pittman's class. Oh, great. Isn't Randy a great teacher? And so, then you sort of go back. But just to be friendly to them. You may meet some new people, or you may meet a couple to find out, you know, they're brand new. So, just sort of don't form clicks. Not making a follow-up visit. Everybody can make a follow-up visit. Making guests fend for themselves. Making guests fend for themselves. Sometimes we do things, <coughs> and... We don't understand what we're doing, um, such as having certain padding in the chair. Develop a buddy system. <coughs> Make sure there is a buddy system. I call that the host and hostess. Make sure somebody is sitting with guests in the worship. Assume that guests know the routine. What do I mean by that? I was in a church not too long ago in a Sunday school class, and I'm sitting there. <coughs> and a... A small brown wicker basket comes down the road. Inside this brown little wicker basket was probably about eight or ten dollars in one dollar bills. I saw a couple of fives. So I'm a visitor. I go to my pocket. I bring out my folding money, and all I have are two twenties. What do I do? I don't know what it's for. Okay. Pass on the pass. You didn't tell me. You didn't give me an option. So in that case, I just pass it on. I know some classes take up money to pay for their coffee and coffee supplies. There's a whole bin down there. Creamer, coffee, filters. Okay. I'm a visitor, and I don't drink coffee, 
So I don't feel compelled to contribute to your coffee fund. It could be you're having a fellowship coming up and it's like the class is going to buy the meat. Everybody's going to bring a side, so we're going to pass the hat. I'm not going to be at your fellowship. I'm not compelled to give to that. Maybe the class is like my class, which is back in the spring. Our class voted because we are Southern Baptist. We voted that we were going to sponsor not one, but two teenagers to centrifuge camp. Cost of centrifuge camp was about, with transportation, was about $350 for the week plus the transportation and some other stuff, whatever. Anyway, so we were on the hook for $700 cash. <laughs> and so we told the student minister, Michael Jenkins, our student pastor, we're going to scholarship two kids. We'll get you the money. You decide where the money goes, what kids get it, but we just want a scholarship to kids whose parents couldn't afford them to go. Okay? Just know we're going to get you the money. So, we had a couple of guys that passed along this big yellow envelope, and I told the class, I said, if y'all are, I'm the one that insisted we vote on it because if your class is like mine, everybody is for something until it's time to pay for something. Yeah. <laughs> And I didn't want to have to write a check for seven hundred and you know seven hundred dollars because our class decided, but nobody wanted to give. So it's like okay, everybody's going to put the money, you know, where their commitment is. And so we're committed seven hundred dollars. So we're going to pass around this yellow envelope, have two people for accountability. They're going to keep up with this. They're going to count it. They're going to write the amount. They're going to seal it up every week. We're going to pass this envelope until we have $700, and then we're going to go turn it over, seal it up, turn it over to Michael in the church office. Okay? So every week I would say, okay, class, y'all remember back about three weeks ago, we agreed to sponsor two teenagers to centrifuge camp at $700. We're passing the envelope enough. Uh, David, how much do we have? We got $310. All right, we're up to $310. So our goal is $700. It's not really a goal. It's like a requirement. Yeah, yeah. It's $700. So let's get into your butter and egg money. Here it comes. Now you know why the envelope is being passed around. If the teacher had said, we're sponsoring a kid for camp, maybe a children, a child going to camp and it's $200 or whatever. And so we're going to pass the wicker basket until we have the money. Folks, I'd have dropped a 20 buck bill on that. But you didn't give me a choice because you assumed that I knew your routine. That when the basket come by, that I would know what it's for. So simply say what it is. You've got members of your class that don't remember why the basket's coming by. (laughs) So sometimes you just need to tell them why. Get them involved. Who's a guest? The guest is the most important person who attends your church on Sunday. It's so important to give attention to what you do when they come rather than what you do after they have gone. I call that the principle of salting the oats. Is anybody here from Texas? Nobody? Anybody ever been to Lubbock, Texas? West Texas? Okay. Robin has. Let me just say, I grew up in Georgia, live in Tennessee. 
I don't know a whole lot about Texas, but here's what I know. The next time you are in Lubbock, Texas, never ever utter the following phrase. Have you ever in your life heard the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink? Yeah. Anybody heard oh, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I have. Used it all my life. Yeah. Do not ever utter that phrase in Lubbock, Texas. Huh. I did. Somebody asked me a question, and in part of my answer, I was saying, you know, there's some people you just can't make do what they don't want to do. When yeah. they sit there, you can't make me. You, you work around it. It's like a stump. Yeah. You plow around it. When you get a stump in a field, you got two choices. You either dynamite it out or you plow around it. I was saying you plow around it. It was something to do with um, with if there was you know, a class that did not want to move to a different room that was more size appropriate to their group. So a new class could come into their space. And um, I said, well, but you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And I had a man stood up, pointed his finger at me and said, son, you're wrong. You can't do. And I go, what's he talking about? What? Everybody's just looking. I said, excuse me? He said, you can make a horse drink. <laughs> okay, how do you make a horse drink? He said, you put salt in the oats. And he sat down. Everybody in that room sat there and went, mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody knows that. So here's the thing. The principle of salting the oats is you want people to want to come back to your class. To want to come back to your church. What are some things that you can do? I put them all up there. Did I put them on your handout? It's on the back. It's on the back. Things that guests are looking for. The first thing they're going to do is go to your church website. Brothers and sisters, please go to your church website or pick a church that you know in your area and pull up their website. Does it tell you what time worship is? Does it tell you what time Sunday school is? Does it tell you basic information about your church? What, is, what are your beliefs? Um, for example, there are a lot of different Southern Baptist churches. Some, I would be more theologically like-minded in than others. And so, I would want to know that. I basically don't want to waste my time or theirs going to a church whose theology is not in sync with what I believe about the Bible. And so, I'm looking for what is their beliefs. So, things like, where's the church located? Things like that. So check out your church website. Your guests are, and if you don't have a good website, they may just skip right over you. Clean up clutter. My goodness. My goodness, there is so much clutter. If you still have Lottie Moon stuff in your room, take it down. She'll come back in a couple months. She sure will. She sure will. We don't have her paid off yet. Well-staffed child care. The best space in your church needs to be preschool space. The best. Top of the line. There was a church 
I was in last week, First Baptist Church, Houghton, Louisiana, located 20 miles east of Shreveport. This is a church in the middle of nowhere, and they were they were literally a grain church, which means they are a dying church. In 20 years, nobody was going to be left. They started off, spent $250,000 to renovate preschool space to have top-of-the-line, high-tech, high-secure preschool space when they did not have any young adults coming to the church. That church that was down to running 75 or 80 and was on the way down had 1,800 people in their church. And it started with renovating the preschool space. I'm not saying that was the total solution, but that was a big piece. When I talked to staff, what was, the, what was your turnaround? They said, the people got behind renovating preschool space because they said, we need to reach young adults and they're not going to come in our old, dingy, smelly basement preschool space with a bunch of old garage sale reject toys. Yeah. So clean up clutter, well-staffed child care, directional signage. You want signage. The ideal is suspended from the ceiling. Some of this that I've seen around here is suspended out from the wall. But the bottom line, it needs to be high and it needs to be out so you can see. I've known for two days, I've known that there's a stairwell that I have to take that gets me down here. I look for that sign. Yeah. I also look for the WMU quilt. I pass the WMU quilt and then go down. Directional signage, restrooms, clean with signage. You know where the ladies' restroom is. You know where the men's rooms are. Your guests don't. Make sure you have signage suspended or something else so they can see where the restrooms are. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I read in some book about guests that said 85 to 90% of your guests will use your restroom. And so, therefore, the clean and the signage are two things that are important. Your restrooms are used in 15 minute increments. It behooves most churches to have somebody. You've got float, I call them floaters in the hall. Mm -hmm. There are some people that are just floating around. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Most churches have them. Have them go in the appropriate restroom. Make sure there's sufficient paper products. Just tape a couple of paper towels and just wipe down. They don't have to like do whole scale, no. big gloves, get into, you know, deep clean. I'm talking about wipe off the counters make sure there's sufficient paper towels and other paper products. I'm talking about three minutes in and out can make a difference. Right? Yep. And so, ladies, I thought I would get an amen and, well, from that. <laughs> fresh paint. Fresh paint covers a world of <laughs> eels. Landscaping, what I mean by that is curb appeal. And then parking lot signage. If you want to reach young adults, one, have really top-notch preschool space, but other, otherwise also have some parking signs that say reserved for parents with preschoolers. 
reserved for expectant mothers, reserved for parents with infants or whatever. Something that indicates we are looking for young adults. Most churches I go to have senior adult parking. My question is why? Our church has senior adult parking out the kazoo and nine out of the ten people every week that I see parking in the senior adult parking are perfectly able to walk from any other part of the parking lot into the building. There, we're not talking about the walker brigade. We're not talking about you know, shuffling brigade. We're talking about people that run marathons and they come up and park in the senior adult parking. Yet, it takes an act of Congress to get designated parking spaces by the preschool entrance that says reserved for parents of preschoolers. <coughs> I say, get it done. Don't depend on the church. Tell the church you're going to do it. It's what our class did. Y'all don't even have to worry about it. Where do y'all get your signs? We'll have it make sure it matches. Yep. We'll put it in. We'll pay for it. We'll get them installed. So we're not asking you, church administrator, to add something else to your to-do list. Preschool minister came in with tears in her eyes, thanking our Sunday school class. You see, it's it's low-hanging fruit, folks. It's low-hanging fruit. How do we get guests to return? You simply do some basic things and do basic things well. So what questions? I've got five minutes to let y'all ask whatever questions that you want. The uh, name, I'm sorry. The name tag, you talking about just in Sunday school? Yes. Right. Some, some churches do it on the church level. Yeah. Which is fine. We that earlier. That's fine. I'm not opposed to that. I'm just saying do it at the Sunday school level. If all the adults That's do it right. at the Sunday school level, that gets most of the people with the name tag. And I use, I prefer the hell of my name tag, hell of my name is name tag, because I can buy them at Walmart, yep. Target, Staples, Office Max. That and a couple of Sharpie markers, it's not complicated. And it's not expensive. You know, just buy them. And uh, I buy a stack of them like that at a time, so I may spend 10 or $12, and I'm good for six months. We're good. Where are they when they are writing there's a table like right there in the classroom. Yes. And so the host of the class helps the guests write their name tag? They will usually do it for them. They'll ask their name and just put their first name. Yeah, so that the guests look like everybody else. They want to fit in. The purpose of that is to help them fit in with that. And what I will do as a teacher, when I see the guests come in so that the host and hostess can talk to them and stuff. If I've been sitting down teaching, I will stand up and I will start moving to this side of the room. And what I'm doing is I'm directing everybody's attention away from them. So now you're looking. And so I'm talking over here. I'm continuing the same thought. I use an electronic version on my iPad. And so there's my teacher book right there. So I'm picked it up and I'm still staring. It's the same thing I would say over there, but I've now directed the attention away from them. That way Pam and Jim can talk to them for a few minutes, can make up a name tag. They just keep a couple of them in their Bible. 
Yeah. And they'll pick them up and then, you know, have a Sharpie marker, Pam will pull one out of her purse, and they're ready to go. It's not complicated. You know where Pam got her Sharpie marker? Out of the box of Sharpie, Sharpie markers, we don't need but two or three. Right? There's a whole box of them. I said, here, keep one. That way you're ready to go. Y'all get four or five name tags, just keep them with you. That way you don't have to get up and come over to the table with them. But if that was the table, if that was the only entrance, they would be sitting here. But they don't have to get up and come over here. They're going to get, and they're going to meet them, and then they're going to come sit down. They'll go in and hand them to them, and that sort of thing. They see everybody else has them. And then your little coffee spot will be on that side of the room. If, you do coffee, if it is, if you do coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll get them or whatever. So if they're up getting them coffee, then I'm directing over here. I just do that so that the attention of the class is away from them. And I continue to teach. I don't stop and go, oh, we have some guests with us. But remember, they don't want the spotlight put on them. So I just direct attention. And you can do it real smooth. Just What about guests that are coming to only worship? Like they're not connecting with a small group yet because they don't know if they want to get that intimate with your church yet. Uh -huh. yeah. So how do you reach those without making it awkward during the right. meet and greet time or the fake and bake time or whatever? Yeah. You, said, you said it was fake. Most people perceive that as they fake. They perceive so it as, as howdy-doody time. So is that just like your um, your ushers who are greeting people? As they, is that the, like kind of like your point of connection? Part of that, part of that is, yes, because at our particular church, the ushers, which are deacons, our deacons, our deacons are not a board of deacons, they are servant leaders. Amen. And so they are they are assigned a section of the worship center. And so if if your husband is a deacon, he's gonna have these views. And so your and his responsibility is to know everybody in here, and if there's somebody he doesn't know, y'all are introducing yourselves to them and stuff. And then you're inviting them to come out to the guests after the worship. Say, hey, let me go. Have y'all met our pastor yet? You know, let me take you out there. Uh, we also have these that is called the group link twice a year where we tell the people that come to worship only, here's a chance for you to talk to different Bible study groups and find out if there's one for you. It's like a small group connection. It's like a small group connection, except they they need to add other contact info because what I discovered is I had names, but the people had not had never filled out anything, and so the church had no record of who they are. I could then not follow up with them. And then what you have to do, get up there on the page and say, Hey, may I have Sally Joe? <laughs> It just comes out. It just comes out. 
But yes. you, he's not thinking about, like you said, put yourself in that guest place. He ain't been the guest nowhere in 40 years. Well, you need to rectify that. So I'm, I'm serious. You need to have your staff go visit a church. It's not vacation time. It's not conference time. It's just a, a week that they are allowed to go visit a church. And what they're doing is they are going to learn from that experience what, how they were treated, good or bad. They may pick up an idea. Oh, I liked how they did this. We can do that in our church. Or, ooh, this was an awkward situation. I need to make sure we're not doing that awkward situation. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. For example, one thing that I've learned is that to have a map of the church, the footprint of the church, and to give to the guest, we're dropping off your child here and here, we're taking you here. Here's the worship center. Okay. So now they have a map. So they can figure out how to get from the classroom back to the worship center or back to where the, the kids' area is. So I'm a strong opponent in inviting them to sit with them and worship so they have a person from the class. But if your class doesn't have that, you need to, your guest center needs to provide them a map so they know how to find out where they are and where they're going back to. I learned that from going to a, a church and everybody leaving, and now I got my wife and I have to try to figure out how to get to the worship center. And it was a church like this. You know, where you, you went downstairs, you went upstairs, you went over, you went down, you went around a corner, and now we got to figure out where's the worship center. Oh, wow. Except in this particular case, they had multiple worship services, so people are going in both directions. Oh, wow. So which way do you go? Some are coming this way, some are going that way. If I had a map, it's like, okay, it's, you are here. Scott, little things matter. It's the little things. It's not the big things. Proper child care, too. You mentioned that. And I yes. was just going to say, I visited a church. We moved here about 11 years ago. So back when we were new and we were visiting, I walked in with my one-year, not quite one-year-old and my three-year-old, Somebody had to get up from worship and take. There, there was nobody back there. So, you, how did that make me feel? I'm like, well, I can take care of my own child. Like, if somebody's got to miss church, it ought to be me. The ch- the class was not set. Yeah. Nobody was waiting for them. So it felt very, very odd. And yeah. and I'm talking small churches because I'm from I'm from the outer line areas of Fulton County. So. How many of y'all in a small church? There you go. You're in the majority. (laughs) You're in the majority. So anyway, just just something for people from smaller churches to think about. You should have somebody sitting in there waiting at least until the music service portion of your adult service is over, I believe. Because that's usually when your visitors are going to, or your guests are going to come in. And if there's not somebody waiting to take care of their children, even if you don't have children in worship every week, like you yeah. said, you need to be expecting it. Expecting it. Know that you're set up for that. Because, I mean, we never went back here. Also, the preacher um, preached on tithes that day, which was probably like a double it negative. Strike two. And like, <laughs> but uh, anyway, just to kind of, as a, yeah. you know, because my kids are. They're older now, but when they were young, yeah. you know, the visitation, he said within 48 hours, but you don't suggest a, a set visitation time, just the 
just you can have a set. In fact, more churches need to have a set visitation time. This is just the first initial visit. The Walmart run is like the first visit while it's fresh. I've just heard someone say that people are against visitation. The drop-in. The drop-in. Yeah. I, I have never had anybody not come because I went by their house and simply said, I'm so glad that you visited our class. We'd love to have you come back. Yeah. They don't like that. I'm inviting myself in. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going in. And, and they'll go, well, here, won't you come inside? No, you're not. I tell them. No, you're not expecting me. I was just out running some errands yeah. and wanted to stop by because you were in our class on Sunday. I want you to know that Ruth and I were so glad that you were part of our class. We'd just love to have y'all come back. That's the whole conversation. The whole yeah. visit is like two minutes. Yeah. You know, well, here, won't you come in? No, you weren't expecting me. And so the purpose is not to get inside. The purpose isn't a 20-minute conversation. The purpose of the visit is simply to let them know that they were appreciated and that we would like to have them come back. And that's the purpose of the visit. Yep. I, but then I, after that visit, you, and they come back, do you go and visit in their home? Or that comes usually a little bit later after they come back, after like the third visit, then I make an appointment. And then go in, and that's when we talk about the class, and I'm talking about the class organization and how they can fit in at that point. By the time, the third time, then I know that they're serious. And I'm looking to, to move them to a deeper level at that point. Good question. When yes? You, when you uh, go by there and there's nobody at home, you leave like, no? No, ma'am. Some people do. Door hang I, I get that question a lot. Do you leave like a door hanger? Hey, I missed you. No, I'm looking for eyeball to eyeball. And so if they aren't there, I leave. And then the next time I'm out going to, to Publix grocery stores, I'll go by. And if they aren't there, I go, sometimes, it was a Saturday afternoon, I was on my way to Home Depot. I'd already been like four times. The people I'd never been at home, it's Dave and Lucian Lane. And I'm on my way to, to Home Depot. I've been working in the yard. I'm literally messed up. But God, like, convicted me. I'm sitting there leaving Home Depot. There's a, I'm at a red light. And it's like the spirit prompted me. He said, you know, they, the Langs live just in that subdivision over there. It's about a half a mile away. And I thought, well, Lord, I'm not dressed. I'm like, you know, sweaty. I just got on T-shirt and short. So I swing, you know, I swing by. Dave's out cutting his grass. Yeah. Now I'm in a moral dilemma. Because when I'm out cutting my grass, I don't want nobody to bother me. Uh -oh. Right? You're, you're shaking your head. You hit a groove. And when you hit that groove, I don't want nobody bothering me. I'm in my groove. He was in his groove. I didn't want to bother him. So I pull on out. I get up to the light. There's a little Chevron gas station, a little store right there. And here's what I heard. Give a cup of cold water. That's it. I was shocked that God would audibly speak to me. How you know it was God? Because he spoke with a southern accent. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And it was simply that. Give a cup of cold water. So I pulled in, bought a bottle of water, go back, go two streets down, take a right, pull up to the curb. Dave's still out cutting the grass. 
I walk up to him. He's looking at me like, where do I know this guy from? And he turns the lawnmower loose. I said, hey, Dave, I'm Alan Rock from up at Hermitage Hills Baptist Church. He goes, oh, yeah, we were in your class Sunday. I said, yeah. I said, I saw you out cutting the grass. I thought you might be ready for this. And I handed him the cold bottle of water. I said, we'd love to have you and Alicia back. And I turned around and left. Now, how much that bottle of water made on their decision to come back, I don't know. But sometimes you got to make multiple visits back. Yeah. But they're usually within an area that I'm going to go by sometime during the week anyway. Why didn't you finish cutting this grass while he's Oh, wow. Now that would have been saying something. Well, you already messed up. So. Thank you, brother. I will add that to my to-do list. Okay, guys. Thank you all so much. God bless you as y'all lead your class. Oh.